Hello and welcome to episode three of Unchurchable for the Year. I've done it. I've cleared last year's very low bar and today's episode is a banger. I know the bulk of my listeners are from the USA, the UK and abroad and in all honesty that tracks because deconstruction as a movement is a lot smaller over here in Australia. Heck, the population of everything is a lot smaller over here in Australia. That said, we are punching at or above our weight in terms of church scandals. Thank you Hillsong and political dumpster fires. Thank you right-wing infiltration of mainstream political parties. In Australia, at the moment, we are quite possibly watching the demise of a mainstay of politics here as one of the two main parties in our two-party preferred system continues down its seemingly self-chosen road to perdition, having allowed itself to be wedged out on the fringes in terms of social policies and voter base. The party faithful keep arguing that they can come back from this because they did in the late 80s and early 90s. But then again, one could argue parties die and the Liberal Party's failure to recognise the death rattle and take urgent action may indeed be its undoing. I know many of you have been keen to know a little bit more about politics over here, but to be honest, I've kind of been a little hesitant to do the talking because my connections to this whole thing are well, a little too close to home. It's a bit of a touchy topic, I suppose, as much as it is one that I definitely nerd out over. So today's guest is fascinating. I've never met him in person, and in fact, we've only become Twitter friends in the past couple of weeks. However, prior to this, I had known of Brent Hodgson as a formidable political commentator, having earned his stripes on the campaign trail in an emergent political movement here called the Teal Independence. He's also a sharp marketing strategist who should make me feel a little sheepish for not marketing this kick-ass podcast of mine, well, at all. What I didn't know is that Brent is also an ex-evangelical. He also went to the same uni as me at the same time as me, so we may have met in a past life. (laughs) And he was watching from the pews as a huge scandal broke inside Australia's megachurch scene way back when. So he knows the territory, friends. So who better to take you curious cats and kittens through the murky waters of the Australian political scene, including its dominionist undertones and the infiltration of main political parties by what the Twitterati are calling RWNJs or right-wing nutjobs. No one better than Brent Hodgson. So I enjoyed today's uh, today's episode, which has definitely had a bit of a listen through it because I'm sure it'll uh, make some people nervous, but I'm very excited to bring you this content. Uh, yeah, meet Brent. You're going to love him. never met in person but <laughs> I've really made a mess of the sentences I'm an editor in my real life um Brent Hodgson we've never met in person this is the first time I've actually seen your face and yet I feel like I've known you for 20 years how are you today I'm doing amazing kid how are you doing I look um you know the kids have been dropped off to beatboxing lessons I look forward to hearing about the ride home Oh gosh, I, I just, you know, people who spit when they talk are always yeah. a bit of a thing for me. And I realised that with beatboxing lessons, I'm getting two tiny spit machines back this afternoon. So look, I'm okay for now, but ask me again in five <laughs> hours and I may not be so great. I don't have any kids of my own. Uh, and I love playing with the, you know, the, the, the brothers and the in-laws and so forth, kids and so forth. But the number of times that, uh, you know, you get spat in the face of and that you end up with a cold or something (laughs) as a result of them, you know, it's just insane. It's like what they're designed to do is to lure you in with their cuteness and then just sneeze on you. Yes. 
Yes, in your, in eyeball. your eyeballs yeah. specifically, just sneezing your eyeballs, and um, and the kid's dad Patrick, he he says that they when they're with him, he always kind of gets Ooh. elbows to the groin, but I always get elbows to the chest. It seems to be like specifically designed to hurt to hurt you yeah. where it hurts the most. You you say you don't have kids, but you do have a fur baby named oh, Sunday. She's the cutest. She she is. She has cardigans, guys. <laughs> she has cardigans. She's adorable. But Sunday with an AE A-E or an AY. Like an ice cream Sunday. <laughs> when we picked her up, she was the tiniest little puppy and it was the hottest day. And on the way home, she made herself very at home sleeping against the car's air conditioning vents. So Sunday was just the perfect name for a dog that loves the cold. Because honestly, I wondered for a bit there whether you were manifesting your religious trauma by by naming your dog <laughs> after the worst day of your week. Now you you are a marketing genius who who didn't know I ran a podcast, so that's a blight on me. Because um, <laughs> I don't market, but you're you're a marketing strategist, you're a political strategist, which is what we're going to talk about today. But you're also, and this was completely unbeknownst to me, an yes, evangelical. Yes. Uh, I put. The fun in fundamentalism, uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm formerly uh, from a uh, mega church by the name of Planet Shakers here in Melbourne, which was planted by yeah. uh, Russell Evans, who is uh, the son of a guy by the name of Andrew Evans, who I believe is the founder of Family First. Correct, and I I'm, I I stood for Family First when I was a fundamentalist now was it as fun for you as oh look have you ever seen that episode of of parks and recreation where leslie nope is very excited over her first political whatever and fronts up to the hairdresser and says make me look (laughs) dynastic i i had dynastic hair back then and and mercifully those photos didn't make it out in the news expose last I'm gonna year have to go digging for I, them. I think i can oh please don't <laughs> <laughs> but yes yes andrew evans was a founder of family first now for my my listeners overseas who've been watching the hillsong yeah. fallout with you know that the fall of um Brian Houston and also all of the other <laughs> megachurch dumpster mm. fires over there. Actually, I think the original Australian megachurch dumpster fire, which we won't talk about too much here, I'm just <laughs> contextualising it, was Mike Guglielmucci, who was big yeah. in Planet Shakers. Um, Australians might recall an author by the name of Belle Gibson who told us all that she had cancer and was mm. dying of cancer and and um, wrote a book about how she healed it through Whole Foods. Well, the original Belle Gibson was also mm. Mike Guglielmucci, who told us all he had cancer. Yeah, and turned out to be, quote-unquote, a porn addiction, an adult porn addiction. They were very careful to say adult porn. Don't but want it, it to get confused with child yeah. porn. But um, it was manifesting <laughs> itself quite physically in him, and he was uh, showing up in literal... Um, plaster casts and so forth uh, with an oxygen machine at one point. Uh, And, yeah, it was quite a a scandal when it dropped. 
Now, Mike Guglielmucci, for he those was. that don't know, is a he's a big personality. He's a big man on stage to begin with. He's like twelve feet tall and uh, you know built like a lumberjack. <laughs> um, not actually twelve feet tall, but he's a really big personality. And where you yeah. put those big personalities is ob- obviously in your youth church. Um, so he was the youth yeah. pastor at my local church, and it was a it, it was a really interesting time. Um, where all of a sudden this guy who was larger than life and who had been taking us on this giant journey of his healing and so forth and had this uh, incredible song, which you might remember from one of the Hillsong albums, I believe you're my healer. yeah, it's, it's a banger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just yeah. want to wave my hands and clap to it right now. <laughs> oh, that's conditioning, isn't it? I walked past. I walked past somebody playing a keyboard yeah. in the Docklands supermarket. One of those really atmospheric, fill mm. the room kind of sounds, and I just wanted yeah. to shoot my hands up in the air. And, but, but also not one like more like a being held up in a bank kind of situation. But yeah, that, that yeah. song was a banger, and it, I mean it. It created all sorts of uh, dynamics when when that came out. I mean, Planet Shakers was front and centre of having this fraud on their stage, in their youth group, on their albums. People were kind of wondering whether they should, you know, scrub the song from from playlists and from church and and there was a whole lot of... But but it also didn't really, you know, we, we didn't really talk about the shame loop when it comes to, you know, sexuality and... And, and porn and stuff like that. And, I mean, that's a whole different topic that, you know, because purity yeah. culture, wow. Um, but, you know, the shame the shame loop of, you know, acting out, feeling ashamed, I'm never going to do this again, restricting kind of, and then, you know, it's like this ulcerated kind of cycle mm. of, of dysfunction. And Googs, Googs was right at the front of that. Um, and, yeah, so did you exit soon after? Yeah, I, I exited in the midst of that. And uh, I, you know, <sighs> as you do, um, floated around, yes and no, yes and no, am I in this or am I not for a little yeah. while afterwards, looked at other churches and went, yeah. you know what, um, not for me, unfortunately. Uh, but, yeah, it was a, a, yeah. a big... Um, kicking the nuts <laughs> and the, the issue wasn't so much that um Googs, bless his soul um he's a really broken person and and i really feel for him yeah. wasn't so much that he'd been through yeah. that it was more the way that the church responded and i was really frustrated yeah. to see that um you know instead of uh seeking forgiveness or um taking responsibility or, uh, you know, creating systems of governance and discernment. Um, what happened was yeah. that the church seemed to hire uh, PR specialists and they literally did scrub <laughs> albums uh, of his name and took his name off, you know, anything yeah. to do with the website. And it was a bit, um, yeah. you know, a bit of a, a, a wake-up call that, uh, you know, yeah. the things that were spoken from stage weren't necessarily the things that were practiced uh, from the head office. And it's interesting, since then, uh, people that have been part of that head office uh, have, um, and I'm not sure if they were, you know, part of that head office at the time, uh, but locally here uh, in the seat next door to where I am, a lovely lady by the name of Nicole Werner uh, ran for the Liberal Party. <laughs> 
And she was a okay. former uh, Planet Shakers head office person. Goodness. I know somebody else who's recently been elected to council, uh, elected to parliament, who is a previous Planet Shakers new Christian Right. Pastor. There you go. I'll have to go through the list and work out who that is. And I think I think it was yeah, it was New Christian something. I don't think it was a paid position. I think it was. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, well, let's not talk about it. They had this really interesting program there at one point, which was a internship program, uh, and I believe it was a paid internship program in the sense that you paid to do it and then you worked a lot inside of it and then you got a certificate for in ministry i think that's what it was it was very clever whatever it was we we almost okay here's some tea here's some tea we (laughs) um back when i was a fundamentalist one of the youth group members wanted to go and do that program and was strongly discouraged to do that program. And the church I was part of attempted to put together an intern program for her to do there in sale instead of up at Planet Shakers. And I'm pretty sure she ended up working in the cafe that I ran for seven years with another member of the church. Oh, gosh, the tea. The but anyway, the tea. The tea. <laughs> oh, gosh. And, all right, hands up, hands up, listeners, wherever you are. Who's been called to a cafe yeah. <laughs> to have a meeting with yeah. their pastor? Oh, still <laughs> triggers me a little bit. Anyway, um, so you are actually you work in marketing, but you ended up working in political strategy. Yeah. So give me the quick cooks tour of that, and then we need to give people the cooks tour of how politics works in Australia and what the current system is, because you mentioned the word discernment oh, before, and I think that's largely missing yeah. from voters on the right wing. <laughs> whichever country you're in, but we'll loop around to that. Um, Your work as a marketer and then your work as a political strategist. And I know that you've got some core flutes behind Uh, you from the campaign days. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, let's go from Planet Shakers all the way to political. Uh, So left uh, Planet Shakers and uh, around the time that I left, I actually got involved in a... um, what was it called? A, a you know a local branch of a political party, which is the Conservative Party here. It doesn't go by that name. I'll explain more later. But the Conservative Party here in Australia <laughs> uh, got involved with them. Um, you know, uh, always had an interest in politics. Um, went to you know a, a, a school that had a really good politics program in high school, and uh, ended up um, meeting a lot of people in the quote-unquote conservative um, side of politics here. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's such a, 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 a charged term here in Australia, calling them the conservatives, because some of them hate it and some of them love it. But yeah. the, uh, the party itself, we might as well jump straight into this, the party itself is called the Liberal Party. And for the people I'm listening running. in North America, they're going to go, Liberals? Conservatives? How does this work? All right. It doesn't, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't. It's um, The concept of liberalism uh, is a free market term in this particular case. And it refers to removing red tape and barriers and small, being a small government sort of party. Um, 
obviously that's the natural bedfellow to to conservatism these days. You've got the Republicans there, the party of small government. They're also the party of conservatism and so forth. So it's kind of like the, the, you know, the bedfellow of all of that sort of stuff down here. But it just has a really confusing name for people that are in North America. (laughs) So it was part of the Liberal Party for a little bit um, and uh, resigned Gosh, they must hate oh, they, you right yeah. now because you dox them so oh, much on your Twitter feed. Doxing. It's all public stuff. Um, it is a public service. <laughs> it is absolutely a public service. Um, but, God, they must. Yeah, anyway, continue. I went for a couple of years and came back. Uh, and oh. um, in the years that I was gone, I lived in Sydney instead of my home state of Victoria uh, or hometown of Melbourne. And... Uh, when I came back, the party that I came back to was very, very different. And yeah, right. the party that I came back to had all of these really uh, concerning, problematic views. Um, and those views right. were a, a copy-paste of some of the, the religious conservatism that I'd left in the church and some of the religious oh. conservatism that I'd also, um, you know, read about in the United States. They'd seem to be taking a lot of the the quotes from Trump and from uh, Sky News After Dark mm-hmm. and so forth. <laughs> yes. God. And I went, this is crazy. I, I, I don't belong here anymore. So I got involved in yeah. this tiny little fledgling movement that was called uh, the Community Independent or Voices Movement that's now these days yeah. called the Teal Movement here in Australia. Teal being the colour that they all <laughs> seem to use. And uh, one thing led to another. And in my um, little area here, I, I go, you know what, I'll put my hand up as a data strategist um, for the the. Um, yeah political campaign here and uh we ended up unseating one of the most powerful politicians in the country at the time a guy by the name of that was thrilling (laughs) that was thrilling i look i actually yeah i i didn't know you or follow you on twitter at that point um but i went i think on i think on that election night I was actually working. I was counting votes. Counting votes. Um, yeah, well, because a neighbour of mine works for the AEC and because of COVID, ah. um, the the vote counting, because we do it manually yeah. here in Australia, guys. The Russians can't <laughs> hack the paper. Um, <laughs> I was counting votes and when I emerged freezing cold from the warehouse out Bandura. the back of Broadmeadows yeah. or wherever it was um, and realised that Josh Frydenberg had been unseated, I think my emotion was, I mean, mirth for sure, Schadenfreude, I think. <laughs> which, is, which is funny given his, his last name, uh, Schadenfreudenberg. <laughs> yes, yes, I mean, it works, doesn't it? The, the irony about the Australian, well, the liberal thing in Australia is not only does liberal not equate to socially progressive or, yeah. or liberal values at all, but they're in coalition with another party called the National Party, who are actually agrarian socialists, if you go back That's to nuts. the to the roots of the party. They're, they're strange bedfellows yeah. already. Um, and, uh, you know, it's an absolute dumpster fire at the moment, which we're about to get into. Um, and people have said, you know, the, the Nationals are never going to tear up the coalition agreement and 
and you know make coalition with somebody else like the teal conservatives but uh, the teal independents but you look back in time and you go was it was it a seamless match for them to go into coalition with the liberal mm. party anyway i mean especially when um you know farmers and the the agricultural industries I mean, they probably would do better with the backing of the yeah. unions <laughs> or like, a, you know, the, the Labor Party, which supports the working class. There's an element class. of necessity, I um, think, as well with what they're doing. Um, so if you go back far enough into the, the quote-unquote Liberal Party's background, it, it um, was founded from the, the ashes of a previous party, um, which was called the United yes. Australia Party, which was founded in turn from the ashes of another party, which was, I think, the... the uh, free trade party and so on and so forth. It's, it's just this phoenix arrangement here um, <laughs> where the church burns down and they build it back. And anyway, they yes. um, this arrange or this this party when it was formed um, actually believed in a lot of things like um, uh, making sure that the most vulnerable in society were actually looked looked after. Um, and I suppose at one point it made a lot of sense that um, that happened, that those two parties actually found alignment on some of those things. But since then, what's happened is that an increasing number of conservative donors and members have joined the party because there is no conservative Mm -hmm. party over here, and what they've done is they've slowly taken the party to the right, and that drift to the right has accelerated um, it you know drifted significantly between let's say 1989-ish uh, through yeah. to about 2007 under the uh, leadership of a guy by the name of John Howard, um, and then it drifted rapidly between about 2010 and 2020, um, and that's uh, where we start to see some of the I suppose the dominionists uh, coming in and. Um, asserting their numbers in the party room and as a result moving some of the more progressive and more moderate uh, members out of the party. And people like me go, you know what, this just isn't for me anymore. So we go out and we take out some of their their senior members. Um, It's been a lot of fun, whatever the case. Well, politics is fun if you're not... Like if you've got a certain degree of, of distance, like if it's not your bread and butter, if it's yeah. not your entire, you know, identity, I think it can be fun. But when you're in it, you know, balls <laughs> and all, um, and, you know, I, I have doxxed myself. I have admitted, and I mean, and Patrick, my ex-husband, you know, did so on 60 Minutes that we were part of branch stacking efforts yeah. within um within the national party oh, him more than me like he and when i say branch stacking he brought in members he Such encouraged people line. to join what and, is the difference between branch stacking and recruitment well here's the thing this and this is my thoughts i think that if you're actively recruiting then you're you're yeah. towing the line but if you have any sort of influence over a person's life or their decision making if you can wield a microphone at a pulpit and say thus save the lord and also by the way i'm part of this this you know political party and i really believe it's where god Mm. wants me to be 
and I'm not saying anyone did this. I'm just saying <laughs> that there's a lot of, uh, you know, I've I've seen that there's quite a number of pastors that are kind of involved mm. in different branches or whatever, and I really get concerned because I think if they're able to stand at the pulpit, say, thus saith the Lord about X, Y, and Z, and then also they're holding political party membership and people know about their political party mm. membership, whether, you know, they're talking about political party membership and they're talking about dominionism from the pulpit, then you're, you're dropping the breadcrumbs so close together and that undue influence, it really, I mean, coercive control is such a grey area. It's so poorly mm. defined. And if you've got these high control environments or you've got these, you know, people in positions of, you know, higher extreme influence over people's lives, then it's really irresponsible to talk about politics yeah. at all because political membership should be something that somebody is in control of in a very, well, I think it should be right, like religion observed in, in, in the quietness exactly. of your own home or in the loudness of Facebook, <laughs> I guess, let's be honest. But Well, it, it, those three topics, money, religion and sex, uh, they're three yes. big topics that, um, you know, there are yeah. certain lines that get crossed when there's a level of coercive yeah. control. Now, just to be very clear here, yeah. we're definitely not, you know, pointing at anyone specifically and saying coercively controlled here, there, whatever. We're also not looking at, oh, from my experience, I didn't, um, at Planet Shakers, I didn't experience, uh, you know, someone from the pulpit saying, you need to vote this particular way. Um, I did, however, uh, see from um, small group sessions um, you know, oh, John Smith is running or, um, hey, he's a nice guy, um, you know, people talking uh, positively about people that were running uh, for office or involved in politics yeah. or uh, people that were um, aligned to a political party. Um, but, yeah, yeah, never actually got told how to vote. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't... <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to comment on this. I think that's a good idea. I'm not going to comment. I think on that's this, a good idea. Says smiling. It's it, it just, let me let me bookend this by saying that um, it's a it's a nice little um, return to the word governance um, it, because one of the, yes. the the theories of governance or discernment is um, uh, that we have the I suppose the distance between ourselves and the actual decision to know that we aren't being unduly, unfairly or unreasonably influenced by um, factors that might not specifically relate to that decision um, yeah. but could yeah. potentially influence them. So, you know, we're talking about sex, we're talking yeah. about um, money and we're talking about religion. Can you make a decision about any of those three things without feeling like you're unduly influenced um, are you making yeah. the decisions that are in your own best interests? Are you making them of your yeah. own mind or are you being potentially pushed yeah. down a path? Yeah. And that can be, I mean, influence, undue influence in churches is a really interesting thing. And my, my critique of this has not been purely related to the churches that I've been involved in, but, but the people that I've hmm. spoken to, from the US, the UK, all over the place since starting this podcast three years ago, it's not uncommon for decisions about who you marry, how much physical contact is allowed between them before mm. marriage, what jobs you might, you know, 
yeah. consider, you know, moving house or, you know, moving in yeah. or out of the area. There are churches that that let their opinions be known about this. And if it's coming from leadership and if you ascribe a certain degree of closeness to God with, you know, a, a pastor's mm. position, then really undue influence is very, very easy to clock, but very, very hard to recognise um, and, and call out for what it is. So, you know, branch stacking. Is it branch stacking if you're actively recruiting people from your field of influence while, you know, while undertaking roles of leadership in a church? Yeah. Hmm. We're going to let people decide that for themselves. Um, dominionism, though, that's interesting. I haven't heard a whole lot of people in Australia talk mm. about dominionism. Um I certainly, I mean, there's there's another journo who's who's or another writer who who writes about it. And there's me, um, and of course, it did come out last year during the sixty minutes and the age mm. thing. Um, Dominion theology being it's commonly called Seven Mountains Dominionism. It really ate its way into the American Republican mm. Party under the Trump administration, and in the lead up to that, we've just seen the stories come out in Australia about. Jerry and Becky Falwell and the pool boy um, and <laughs> talk about talk about sex money influence and politics yeah. far out that was that was a myth but that that was all around the time that Ted Cruz lost the nomination and oh. Trump became the heir apparent and all that kind of stuff but in your opinion is this similar in uh, similar moves to that American infiltration of the far right into politics are you seeing that in Australia as a political yeah, kind of yeah, number yeah. cruncher? Definitely we're seeing that um, from a couple of different perspectives. We're seeing it um, from the policies that are coming out and also from the policy, uh, the, the people that are going in. I always like it when mm -hmm. you know, get a little bit of alliteration with the, the words that you're using, the policies <laughs> and the people. That's where we're seeing it, Kit. Um, Kit Kennedy. <laughs> yes, yes. One grandmother's first name, one grandmother's last name. It was a little bit of a shit right there, but anyway. Uh, so here in Australia, uh, sorry, here here in Australia in the Liberal Party, what is branch yeah. stacking inside the Liberal Party? Let's be really clear about it. So branch stacking inside the Liberal Party isn't about um, the intent through which you recruit. It's about the means through which you recruit. So... Um, yeah. If you go out to a church and you get on, get up at the pulpit and you say, everybody, you know, I heard from God that everyone needs to become a member of this political party and they need to vote for this potential candidate in a pre-selection battle. Um, that's fine. That's no problems. Oh, that's wrong. <laughs> uh, if you were to um, pay for everyone's membership, though, that's where things get wrong. If you were to financially incentivize people with a kickback or something like that, that would be wrong. If you were to put fake people's details in, that's wrong. So the, the, what this means is that um, a lot of the things that you might think uh, are potentially unethical are completely legal under the rules here. Um, a, a lot of rules need to change. And as a result, we've seen this massive rise of the power of a couple of different churches here in, in Victoria and in Australia more widely. Um, the Pentecostal movement, as well as the Mormon movement. 
And we very recently yeah. had a prime minister who was an avowed Pentecostal, um, much to the population's chagrin. <laughs> Especially when, okay, so his name's Scott Morrison. We called him ScoMo or ScoMo towards the end of his um his tenure. He he appointed himself to how oh, many I've lost ministries? count, but it was something ridiculous like seven secret ministries, which sounds like a recipe for Nobody chicken. Nobody knew. It does, doesn't it? It sounds like it's a new fast food restaurant that's about to emerge. But but no, nobody knew that he just secretly just decided, oh, fuck it, I'm going to do all of the yeah. work myself because I can't trust anyone else. I don't know. That's what, Whatever his intent was, the outcome was that he was secretly sworn in as the minister for mining or something like that. And the minister, for, he was actually the, the treasurer as well, the minister for home affairs. And nobody knew any of this stuff. Which kind of speaks to the impunity with which some of these Christian leader types think, no, I'm, I'm here, yeah. I'm doing, you know, like I, I have the right to do this. this. All of these ministries as well, it's so funny, ministry, ministry, um, came yes. with a level of power as well. So written into a lot of our yep. laws are things like, the you know minister in charge of mining is able to approve certain mines by just signing a letter and the minister in charge of immigration is able to deny or approve immigration just by signing a particular letter so there's all of these discretionary powers that are put into the laws that um it might not sound like much for someone going you know what i'm going to put that on my business card but it actually comes with yeah, a significant yeah. amount of power and influence that can be used properly or improperly, as the case may be. And it was quite an interesting time because, I mean, Australia's, Australians didn't like mm -hmm. this. They, we didn't like seeing our Prime Minister in these megachurch services, hands raised. A little bit uncomfortable you know. for people that haven't experienced this sort of stuff before. Yeah, and then seeing him being quite chummy with Hillsong leader yep. um, Brian Houston. He tried to get Brian Houston in the room with... Donald Trump, I think, at one That's point. Right. Yeah. Um, it really became a I, I think I think the American Dominionist situation where the Republican Party is ostensibly the mm. Christian Party. Um, I call it the cork in the ass of Progress <laughs> Party. Um, but you know, it's kind of the wet dream of Australian, you know, parties over here, um, Australian Christian voters rather. And not all of them, because certainly there are some centrist voters voters within that Christian bloc. But it's it's really interesting because you've kind of been watching this system over in America just reap such horrible, yeah, you know, horrible yeah. products. What does that make you like? How do you see this playing out in Australia? Yeah, it's really goes? fascinating um, where it where it is right now. And questioning, is it, is it salvageable? Is this particular party too far gone to actually pull back? So here in, in Australia, we've got three levels of government. We've got the federal guys that look after the entire nation and do things like foreign affairs. We've got the state guys that look after basically our provinces, our states and territories. And then we've got our local guys, and they their local government is like our um, 
our counties. Roads, and, rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they look after your, your rubbish collection and all of this sort of stuff. So um, local, nobody really pays that much attention to. And it's, it's so fractured and fragmented that, you know, to take it over, it would take a massive effort. So it's, let's put that one aside for now. Federal, the big guys, uh, there's a question about whether or not the uh, Liberal Party is able to be saved. They recently lost in a landslide election here uh, at the federal level, plus lost a really safe seat called the seat uh, the electorate of Aston um, in a really unexpected but a hilarious result uh, where they got absolutely wiped out. Hilarious result. Uh, and um, interestingly, Aston was one of my uh, old hoods growing up. Um, oh, it's a beautiful electorate. It's, you know, hills and rainforests yeah. and trees. It's beautiful. It, it's interesting because the Liberal Party... And the Labor Party. So we work off a two-party preferred system. There are minor parties, but you, you, you're like as as people are knocked out of the like the the like the lowest votes, their preference yeah. votes flow up, and until eventually you have one of two parties in power. How it's traditionally been is if the Labor Party was in power federally, most of the states would be Liberal. If the Liberal Party was in power federally, most of the yeah. states would be Labor. At the moment, we only have Tassie. And there's That's... questions about whether or not Tassie is going to remain. You know, there's it's yeah. it, it could be a, a situation where um, you've got the red team, Labor, versus the blue team, Liberals, yeah. and that people, yeah. for the most part, think the Liberals are so shit that they have no choice but to yeah. buy the red team product. Um, fortunately, there's the rise of some yeah. of these independents and so forth, which is where I sit. Um, but uh, so there's yeah. the, the a little bit of a uh, check on power, but it looks like this um, party of of government that spent most of its history in government um, could potentially be yeah. unelectable as a result of the rise of the Christian right here. And it's it's actually reflected alarmingly in the numbers because we're no longer looking at around fifty percent gets you in and around fifty percent, you know, yeah. you're out. It's like the the Liberal Party has slid down to twenty yeah, percent. Absolutely, there's you know in some states it's uh, you got a, about a thirty three percent primary vote. They call it here. Uh, yeah. which is a vote before preferences are counted. So if your first preference doesn't get in, your vote gets transferred to the second and third preference. So anyway, um, in some places it's about a third that they're getting into of, of votes. Um, in other places it's as little as a quarter of the votes. And yeah, this from that yeah. position you're basically unelectable. Yeah, and I think I've been looking at the at the Liberal Party, and look, I would love to be able to shitpost equally about both of the major yeah. parties, but Labor's just not giving me that much yeah, fodder. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas you can shitpost about the Liberals quite, quite yeah. aggressively. the The thing is, they just—it seems like a refusal to acknowledge that the political centre has moved yeah. at all. They keep on referring to themselves as the party of Menzies. Well, guess what? He was back in the mid-1900s, man. Like, he's not... The founder of the party, yeah. Yeah, like, the political centre has moved. 
to the left. And if the Liberal Party refuses to acknowledge this shift, um, mm-hmm. and, and one politician who was a casualty of this this far right infiltration. Uh, Catherine Burnett Wake, like I've heard her referred to as Catherine Burnett Woke, <laughs> which I'm like, why? Why must we? Why must we refer to wokeness in the pejorative? <laughs> like, when I mean, the political centre has moved, yeah. and these centrists within the party, you know, there's just not enough of them, is there? Do you think the Liberal Party can recover? Well, if not, what happens? The, the next? fight is ongoing in Victoria. We recently had um, something that should have been won by the centrists. Let's let's give you the background here. A couple of weeks ago, one of the conservative groups here uh, funded a really controversial uh, speaker to fly in from the United Kingdom, someone by the name of Kelly J. Keane. Rosie Parker, Kmart Barbie. <laughs> now, she is a, a highly controversial anti-trans activist, or she might describe herself as a self as a feminist, but also is quite a uh, trans-exclusionary radical feminist, a TERF. She doesn't actually, didn't she say, I'm not a feminist Did from she? the microphone? While oh, she was I wouldn't in, be surprised. I think she said I'm a feminist. She's, she's appeared on... Um, you know, on stages alongside some really problematic people that have, um, you know, for example, uh, denied the Holocaust. She's also uh, appeared on um, podcasts with people that have quite a white nationalist bent. Uh, And I think that she's Mm -hmm. even been interviewed by David Duke of the KKK. Um, (laughs) That was on a Wikipedia page, although I haven't come across that interview itself. It's probably been scrubbed, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he is hoping. <laughs> Either that or you just don't listen to KKK podcasts, which is, uh, oh my yeah. Like, yeah. It, anyway, it's abhorrent. It, it's terrible. Abhorrent. This, the, she gets up, she does her dog and pony show, says trans people are going into women's bathrooms and, ah, oh, it's terrible, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, the a group of literal neo-Nazis showed up to this event. And they unfurled a banner that um, called for, um, well, first of all, it, it, it equated um, trans people to being pedophiles. Um, and Which is awful. Yeah. It's just it's anyway. fucking atrocious. <laughs> yes. That's just the first thing. <laughs> yes. That's uh, the first they thing. called for mm-hmm. those people to be, quote, unquote, destroyed. And then they sat out the front of Parliament doing Nazi salutes. Now, this seems like it is, like, really fucking atrocious. However, for the Liberal yes. Party, this was like, hmm, is it, though? Is it? Because the Liberal Party had some prominent members there uh, that were, um, you know, actually at the rally supporting the rally. And one of them was called yes. before the, the, um, the party room, to, you know, please explain uh, what the hell were you doing there um, and why should you stay in the party if you're actually at a par- at, an, at an event that's attended by neo-Nazis that are giving the freaking salute with that banner? It wasn't just that she was there. It's that she'd helped, yeah, helped you know, she'd helped and... with this whole thing. And yeah. when she saw the neo-Nazis behind her did not refuse to speak in front of them, did not... Hmm. You know, she could have 
made a statement there against, like, you know, there's all sorts of things that yeah. she should have done. But number one is she should have Googled Posey Parker before yes. she agreed. She probably did. <laughs> but she should have Googled Posey Parker and seen that this woman has a neo-Nazi yeah. following. Yeah. This this woman has spoken with the KKK. This woman has done all this kind of stuff. Um, it was not a far-fetched thing for the, for the neo-Nazis to show up mm-hmm. in vocal support of her and then there was all of the spin afterwards. Oh, you know, it's a shame that they turned up. No, they sh- they turned up mm. to support. And it's not that the message of the rally was overshadowed. It's that the message of the rally was so close in its genocidal mm. hatred kind of, you know, they're not advocating for the genocide of trans people, obviously, but to not demand that somebody takes a, a flag down that says destroy, you know, and I'm not going to say the rest of the words yep. that were on that flag because it's abhorrent, but... You know, there's so many things here that were so freaking obvious that Moira Deeming should not yeah. have been there. Neither should the other members who were photographed mm-hmm. at that rally. Um, and then John Pizzuto, the leader of the state party, promised basically he, he well, he, he said that he was going to get rid of her and there would be no compromise and then follows up with a breathtaking compromise, yeah. a breathtaking compromise. And instead of being expelled from the party, Moira Deeming got a nine-month suspension, which I call a gestational <laughs> period for something more hateful to emerge, I'm sure. But anyway. So instead of actually <sighs> kicking someone out, this uh, powerful right-wing Christian-aligned person um is basically told to sit in the naughty corner and think about what you've done so you can come up with even worse stuff later on. And it's this is where we're sitting at the moment with this "quote unquote" Christian takeover. Um, there was also a woman by the name of Renee Heath, who you might know. Um, I might, I might know. Her. I'll let you talk about it. <laughs> I won't. So, uh, during the election campaign, there was a um, some details that were released that suggested that Renee Heath had been involved in branch stacking. And at the time, the leader of the Liberal Party, who was competing to be the premier of our state, that the, the essentially the, um, what do they call them in America? The, the not congressional, uh, the, uh, oh, yeah. Anyway, the head honcho. The head honcho. The head honcho. Yeah. <laughs> the, the state president. Uh, so um, they, he was competing. Matthew Guy was competing for this top job when, you know, this is atrocious. We can't actually allow this in the party. Yeah. Says, Renee Heath, if you manage to get elected, which you probably will because we've given you the top spot on the ballot in your area, um, you won't be sitting in our, in our party room. Matthew Guy loses the election. Uh, what happens afterwards is that there's a leadership ballot and they go, all right, we need to find a new leader. All of the people that stood up, you went, went you know what, I kind of need the support of people in this party in order to become the leader of the party. Because it was such a breathtaking wipeout. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like yeah. It was embarrassing election results as a result of some of these, you know, links that were were shown. Um, mm. As a result, this Renee Heath person that I've never come across in my life was allowed back into the uh, party because the leaders needed the numbers of the Christian right in order to, you know, get the leadership. And here we are in a second situation where, once again, um, the, there's the pandering to the Christian right in order to maintain the leadership in the party. 
you know, the, the, yeah. we're talking about a, a group that doesn't quite have 50% of the party room, that doesn't quite have yeah. 50% of the state executive, that doesn't quite have 50% of the, the administrative committee and all the, all the little areas where you would need to have control of, over mm. this party. They don't even have the votes to be able to carry themselves. And yet, for no. some reason, it's they've hit a critical mass where they're still getting what they want with, let's say, 40% yeah. of the actual numbers because it's the moderates yeah. and the, the more progressive members that are needing to pander to them to actually get these these votes across to, to become leaders and so forth. Yeah, and it's interesting, reflecting back, because obviously I wasn't part of the story on branch stacking. I wasn't one of the informants. I, Get out of here. I wasn't. You weren't. Oh, no, no, no. That was part of the I was part of the 60 minutes thing. You were part of the 60 minutes. And the 60 minutes I reckon led to that story. That story broke first, the ABC Did story. It really? Yeah, written by Beck Simons Lay. Um oh, good on and her. yes, she actually broke it first and it broke before the before 60 minutes ran because 60 minutes ran on the 20th of november and the age stories ran on the 19th but i think it was actually the 17th or 18th that those stories ran and i wasn't one of the sources on that Um, i always assumed you were but like that's really cool to know uh, i think i think a lot of people would have assumed i was but no i was not um, i didn't go on record with the abc um, and I, I had none of the source material for the branch stacking allegation. I just hear in the background like dozens of Dominionist pitchforks being thrown uh, down. Look, <laughs> I've copped a couple of pitchforks. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's all right. I, I'm happy to cap. I'm have like I know that there's a lot of like there's been talk that that Patrick and I were paid for sixty minutes. We weren't. Wouldn't have like you know we weren't under contract. I, I was just never going to speak to more than one yeah. media outlet, but. Um, and because, you know, because these people are my family and I do love them, but I also have a huge burden for, you know, truth needs to come out and and these people can't act with impunity. But I don't think Renee was actually a stacker. No, 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 no. no. I think she was, I think that, like, because Dad is the vice president of the Morwell branch of the Liberal Party. And I'm reliably told that mum is the president. Oh, there you go. Good so, for her. Um, yeah, she's not a political type at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I find it interesting. And there was there was lots of other people who were concerned about the stacking or the alleged stacking out in the Gippsland region by church affiliates. But no, I was never. I never was part mm. of that. I was part of the the Nick McKenzie investigation. Oh, God, that was a time. Um, but, I mean, it's it's interesting because what I'd witnessed in my time inside that particular church, I'd stood for family first. My husband was elected to council. He was deputy mayor for a couple of years. He was the president of the um, the state and federal branches of, of, of the nationals at wow. one time. He was on state, state council. Um, you know, I've been inside this. Yeah. Like, I voted in an attempt to remove Darren Chester from office. <gasps> Not over Darren. His of same-sex marriage. Oh, he's, he's such sweet. a he's sweet really guy. Lovely. He gets around with his climate he's, change T-shirts. He's one of the yeah. one of the quote-unquote nice guys of this national party. Yeah. 
But I was there in the meetings in mum and dad's lounge rooms where they were organising letter writing campaigns where one person would write the majority of the letters and then offer them to other people to sign them and put them into newspapers and stuff like that. Um, It was was really coordinated. It was a small group of organised people quite coordinated. And so I don't think Renee, I don't think Renee personally has been involved in stacking. But I think that she's, I think she's tied up with, with people who quite possibly have. Um, and obviously we've, when you've been inside a group that does, it does say that they don't adhere to dominion theology. However, it does preach dominion in every domain. And we sing songs like, you know, what time is it? It's time to take over. What time is it? It's time to take over. Like, you know, um, we sing songs about laying down our ambition and our pride and, and being as one and, and messages about being as one man in the city, as one man in the nation, being God's answer. I mean, it's all very intoxicating in terms of the purpose and the the feeling of community that that gives you, the feeling of... of um, oh, shit, the stakes are really high. Things. Here you are. You could oh, potentially hmm. save Australia. Can you accept oh, yes, that call? I mean, <sighs> gosh, gosh, like the stakes are immensely high and especially when you've kind of stepped out of line with that movement and found yourself out on mm. your ass, you all of a sudden have to then grapple with, you know, the bubble pops and you go fuck, did the means justify mm. the end? Mm. Did the end justify the end? Yeah. Like, and you're grappling with all of this stuff, you're grappling with what you've done and been part of. Um, but then having to watch it continue to happen on a state level using this, like, very sophisticated coordination and, you know, kind of the bait and switch you yeah. posted in a thread recently about a Christian event happening in a seat of somebody who had attended oh, a midsummer um, gay and lesbian, like LGBT support march, yeah. but this Christian event was happening there and it was the Latrobe Valley Liberals, which actually doesn't as exist. As far as I can find, <laughs> I'm, I'm unable to find a source of an actual Latrobe Valley branch. And Latrobe Valley is a really yeah. big place, but one of the places is. that is inside the Latrobe Valley, if I'm not mistaken, is a place that you mentioned a little bit earlier, which is called yes. Morwell. And is that oh, the place wow. that you said that you think that your your mum and dad are the president and vice president? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah dad's definitely the vice, but I'm pretty sure mum's the pres. Yeah. I, you know. Yeah. yeah. So it, it sounds like so, they could potentially be involved. Um, I mean, I have no proof, no, it's, it's, but it doesn't sound like a, a long very bow. black box that we're looking at here, and we're going. Hmm. Oh, this is this is the thing, and if you're hosting Christian events. Why why the cloak and dagger? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like whoever is hosting these events, you know, why the cloak and dagger? Why use branch names that don't exist? Why, you know, that that's a frustrating thing to me because I my take on Christianity and I identify as agnostic with atheistic fantasies, <laughs> but whenever I talk about Christianity, I still say we. Um one of us. One I mean, of yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> not with the chance, Brent. Not with the chance. <laughs> by the way, there's a song. I don't know whether any of you remember um, a song by Hillsong called "My Redeemer Lives." Um, Patrick called me because "My Redeeming" is the name of the. Let, let's let's just say the the uh, "My Redeeming" was the name of the the person that was at the event that the Nazis attended, and whether or yes, not she, she specifically it. shares those views is a question for her. I don't think she's a Nazi. Yeah. I don't think she's a Nazi. But I think if you don't 
immediately divorce yourself from any <laughs> any stench of Goodness. like cross contamination. Yeah. Yeah, 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 anyway. Yeah. But anyway, so the the first phone call I think I had with you was one of us singing My Redeeming Lives. <laughs> anyway. And I went back, our branch is an awesome branch. <laughs> <laughs> oh god anyway where were we far out this is this is uh yeah so look it, it, i don't know that it was my my previous church that have put on that event but i don't think that you should have to use cloak and dagger yeah. to do god's work if it's truly god's yeah. work i think and i don't think that that infiltrating political parties by clandestine and questionable means is God's work. I think that if you are a Christian, you should be able to live your life in a manner that is above board, that is open and honest for all to see, um, and there should be no shadow of wrongdoing in it. And what's happening at the moment is the right wing is so cast in shadow, um, and I find that interesting. But I also find that it is driving them further to the fringes. The Liberal Party is becoming more and more unelectable. Mm. Um, I think the only way to regain, and John Pizzuto, he keeps on talking about being Premier next time around. I'm like, you're just not going to be, mate. Like, you may not even be the member for Hawthorne, but whatever. Just um, for the purposes of disclosure here, um, I was the campaign director of a campaign that ran against him. <laughs> oh, my God. Really? <laughs> yeah. So um, Melissa Lowe's campaign um, was, I was the campaign director there. Um and um, Melissa um, was announced at one point by Anthony Green as the, um, well, she's been elected. She's beaten John Pesuto. She's now the member for Hawthorne. Then yeah. some late votes swung against her. I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't celebrate yet. Just be thankful for everyone. Go have a party, all this sort of stuff. But the votes that are coming through are probably going to swing against us. So slow down, slow down. But anyway, oh, as a result yes. of her being announced on the night um, as the member for Hawthorne, people are still coming up to her in the street and congratulating her. They don't realise oh that, that John Pesuto so is actually their member and that he's the guy that's um, that's my redeeming uh, all the time <laughs> at the moment that is actually, um, you know, a, potentially kowtowing to the Christian right and unable to get his yeah. agenda through as a result of the, the, the values and the beliefs of the Christian right. So my question is, how does the Liberal Party rescue itself? Oh, goodness. Um, I think that it's in, in a vicious spiral at the moment. So uh, originally a party by the name of Family First and other parties like it were created to be Tag. the vehicle through which, you know, we'll eventually take over government. And then people go, yeah. you know what? I don't really want to vote for that party because it's got a lot of Christian con- connotations that I'm not necessarily um, yeah. comfortable with, given the high number of people that are non-religious in Australia, as well as the number of people that are just generally uncomfortable with Pentecostal sort of people. Um mm-hmm. So that was the original vehicle. Now that's it's kind of been pushed to the fringe. Um, they've realised, hang on, this party that has been hollowed out by their march to the right themselves, 
Um, this is actually an achievable goal to take that party over. Mm. And instead of being the, you know, um, the Polaris of, of car makers, suddenly we can take over <laughs> Ford and we can be the Ford of car makers. And all we need to do is we just need to get enough people onto the committee that decides what this party does. Uh, and that number isn't a particularly high number. So, um, yeah, no, like, not. locally there was a, a factional battle here uh, between a guy by the name of Kevin Andrews and a, a, a slightly <laughs> less conservative person, uh, Keith Wallahan, uh, who ran against him. The numbers there were really high. It was 10 years in the making. There had been a lot of recruitment that went into this particular branch. The, the number of members that showed up was 181 to 111 was the vote. So it was about 300 members there. In other branches, yeah. in other um, parties, uh, sorry, in other branches in this party, um, there's a couple of dozen members. So you get, you know, yeah. a family to all sign up to this thing. They've got a pretty strong hold on that branch. And this is kind of what's yeah. happened with the more redeemings of the party uh, every time I hear her name now. Yeah, you're going to sing it now. I'm, so, I'm not sorry. She's I'm from not sorry. Uh, a part of the the um, city here, Melbourne, uh, which is in the western suburbs. It's never really had a liberal foothold. So the branches mm. there are really small, really easy to take over. And I'm not suggesting yeah. that she specifically took them over, but um, certainly some very problematic members were able to get a lot of support. Um, yeah. So her predecessor, Bernie Finn, was kicked out of the party for having very similar views to what Moira Deeming has. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they replaced Bernie with Moira Bernie in a skirt. Yeah. <laughs> Bernice. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Bernice, far out. And, but the interesting thing is, I mean, first of all, in terms of numbers, for the safest seat in Victoria, yeah. being the, the number one spot on the ticket for Eastern Victoria region, yeah. the first showdown between Renee Heath and Catherine Bennett-Wake yeah. fell, I think, 53 to 55 votes in Catherine's wow. favour. The second showdown fell the other wow. way. 53 to 55 in Renee's yeah. favour. Now, I could be getting those numbers slightly wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was it was literally, it was one vote swung yeah. across. And that one vote swung across means that the safest seat in Victoria is decided by committee yeah. and then basically carried by, it's a brand. Yeah. Like it's the brand that carries the votes there. You don't have to, in the upper house, at least, you know, people are voting for their the lower house member and then are kind of Who? going, oh, yeah. Oh, well, fuck it. I like that yeah, party, like, I guess. They, I, I've always voted that way. Yeah. yeah we've, we've always been liberal yeah. people. You know, it's it's more a brand that carries yeah. it. But it's still the safest seat in Victoria, or at least mm. it was. And, of course, Aston was a safe seat, no but anymore. it's now gone red. It's interesting you mentioned the Christian minor parties because what used to happen, I used to joke that in Christian circles, everyone wanted to be Jesus and no one wanted to be the 12 disciples. So we had all of these Christian minor parties. We had Family First, we had Rise Up Australia, we had people like that. Um, and, you know, instead of preferencing each other in a logical way, they'd all kind of squabble over the preference yeah. votes and, and nobody would get in. The one person that got in was Senator Steve Fielding for a disastrous six-year six term. Um, and, you know, that... 
But then what happened was Corey Bernardi, who was a liberal, he wasn't was. he? Uh, everyone he... was once a liberal. I was once a liberal. Yes. Uh, apparently Bob yeah, Brown. I've never been who, a liberal. I was a national at an affair. That's just a green Ooh. liberal. <laughs> It's a green liberal. No, no, like Danny and Darren. No, and, no, no. Just the colour of the really... shirt. You wear different colour shirts. Just... You know, I'm not saying that you're actually greens. <laughs> oh, I've got a penchant for red lipstick too, so it's basically a Christmas tree during that time of my life. Um, but, yeah, so all these minor parties, they they wouldn't, um, and I've, after I hit stop on this, I'll tell you about a really funny Danny and Alia experience. Oh, Danny and Alia was do. the guy at the head of Rise Up Australia. Yeah, yeah but I won't tell you on air. Um, <laughs> so they wouldn't preference each other. So Corey Bernardi exited the Liberal Party and started his own party called the Australian Christians, which kind of dog whistled all of these yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Australian Conservatives, sorry, Australian Christian Lobby yes. is another group that we don't like. Anyway, um, so, Corey, thank you for fact-checking me I all the way back. through this. I just run my uh-huh. mouth. Um, so Corey kind of dog-whistled all of these Christian minor parties who saw this kind of pseudo-messiah who was going to give them the spot in Parliament that they'd always, you know, believed they were entitled to or were destined to have. They've all run over there. He has failed spectacularly mm. in, in the election and dissolved the party, which then creates these political refugees who no longer have yeah. these influential backers or, you know, political pseudo-messiahs. So they've all kind of gone scuttling back out to the Liberal Party and now we've got a right-wing situation um, and, you know, people like, yes, the Liberal Party did fall this far back in the 80s and 90s and they did kind of phoenix themselves they did rise from the ashes but the other truth that runs alongside of this is that political parties are born and die all yeah. the time and this could very well happen to a party that has been part of the australian political landscape for for as long Absolutely. as we can remember we we, we haven't even mm. touched on demographics here and yes the, the 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 rise of the christian right is actually negatively impacting the party but there's also a, a demographic yeah. shift as well where the party yes. has always relied on aspirational voters and yes. the economics of um, millennial voters who are in their early 40s all the way down to 18 year olds just means that um, yes i'm a millennial hooray we're millennials <laughs> we're lazy millennials uh, <laughs> Uh, I was in a a client meeting one day and a client started railing on millennials and I just sat there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anyway, (laughs) the economics mean that um, millennials and lower account for about 50% of votes and less than 25% of wealth. Yeah. So you you see that there's this level of economic disparity where a party that's been economically conservative and worried about making sure that you don't get taxed too much, um, that doesn't resonate so well. Party of small government, well, fuck, government has actually looked after me. Nobody else has, and I don't have much. Might as well tax the rich bastards. So the the party of um, the Liberal Party, the party of small government, is not actually um, playing as well electorally from a demographic sense, not just from a, a um, as a result of mm. shifting too far to the right. 
that's that's interesting and when we're talking about branch makeup there's another challenge that the liberals and the nationals are going to have and that's that their voter base is aging so when i was a member of the liberal party most recently um i looked a lol lol. (laughs) (laughs) um i um looked around the room and what i was curious about was who were the ambitious people who are the people that were yeah. the future leaders? Who are the people that would be potentially looking for pre-selection in the next couple of years? Um, mm-hmm. And I went, what do they actually look like? Well, one of the things that they yeah. probably look like is they're probably under the age of 50. You know, yeah. if someone's looking to have a career in politics, they probably want to start that career sometime before they retire. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So... Um, how many people were were actually there uh, that were under the age of 50? Allegedly, there were 454 members on the books. There were 80 yeah. people at a branch meeting. And there were 12 people, including me, under the age of 50. And that's, that's interesting, yeah. isn't it? Because the disparity between the age of the people who are going to make the decisions... Yeah and the age of the people who are voting for who's going to make the mm. decisions, and just the fact that a lot of those, they're going to die in the next Literally the next years. couple of years. Yeah. Like when even when I, was, when I first joined the party, I was the only person under the age of 50 in my branch. Everyone else was 60s, 70s, 80s, even yeah. 90s. And we're not talking like yeah. hits here. We're talking actual age. All your best hits yeah. from the 80s and 90s. No, that's not the way that we're doing this. So, <laughs> Sorry, you saw that that joke had gone right over my head and just decided to like drive it home a little bit more. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, I mean, that was what things were like in the Nationals. I mean, Patrick and I, when we, when we started, we were like, I think I was 30. I think he was 26. Yeah. When he was president oh, of cradle snatcher, you. I know, I know. Oh. Um, makes dating now really weird because dating people my age seem well. A, it doesn't happen because yeah. my dating life sucks <laughs> right now. But um, anyway, like, like maybe maybe younger men is my thing. But then I'm like, no, they're just idiots. Anyway, <laughs> it's, this is a rant that I don't want to Tell continue. Me more, Pull me out of this loop, Brent. Pull more. me out of this loop. Um, so dating. We, we t- <laughs> so would you recommend the Nationals as a dating community as a result of the age of the people in the Nationals? I mean, if gold digging is your Ooh. way, go to the yeah. Liberals. No, because, you know, the farmers tend to be asset rich for cash mm. poor. Um, anyway, yeah, so Patrick and I were like the only ones in that kind of 20s to 30s. And then we had a few other people from our church join up and become kind of the vice or whatever. And and, and we were the youth vote. Yeah. And, of course, these sweet, these sweet people. Oh, shit, like, it's oh, so it's good like to have you here. Have a- we need young blood in the party. Someone yeah. needs to set the core flutes up. Oh, by the way, can you do right. the midnight shift looking after the polling booth? Right. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But also... They, they will, like, tell us about your values when it comes to, or tell us what you think about when it comes to these social issues. And we were anti-gay mm. and we were anti-choice. And, I mean, nothing came up about abortion during that time, but this, the marriage equality mm. thing came up during that time and, um, you know, like 
I knew that Patrick had been through gay conversion therapy and but I he, knew. He was through it, so we didn't need to worry about that. He used to be gay. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, it's a whole thing. Watch the 60 Minutes episode. Oh. <laughs> um, but, but I mean, it was it was complicated and it was nuanced. But, but when you're closeted and you're put in a position like that, I mean that the personal stakes are so high. Mm. Um, you know, it's it was a horrendous time for us, and it was really a time where we did start to think about what we were involved in. But yeah, so that the aging out is one thing. The looking to this small percentage of the branch mm. as you know the the future leaders is another. But this this fracturing of the the yeah. the political centre and the the far right or the fringe is really fascinating. Yeah. And I don't know what's going to happen. No, it's it's like watching this political party run towards a cliff and going, no, stop, you're running towards a cliff. But uh, they keep running. And yeah. at the moment they're only getting about 9% of the vote from people, millennials and under, uh, and that vote keeps on lowering. Yeah. And it's compelling on the tail end of a pandemic where people in our age bracket, people who have been gotten through the pandemic on the back of moves made by, Mm. you know, Dan Andrews, who they call Chairman Dan (laughs) out on the fringes. Um, You know, when you actually hear him talk about, for example, the Indigenous Voice to Parliament, so we're we're approaching a referendum in Australia where... um, it's, it's being put to the populace whether we should have an Indigenous representative body to to speak to Parliament on on the things that matter to them. Eighty um, percent. You did the stats work on this, but like <laughs> it, it's been a huge consultation process. It's been a massive amount of people in it, and a large majority of Indigenous Australians are in, in favour of it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the opposition, the, the Liberal Party, have come out and said, "Nope." Oh, well, Peter Dutton, the, yeah. the the guy that the federal guy has the state guy hasn't said that they won't support it but i was like does somebody has somebody told the opposition leader that he doesn't need to go immediately no to everything like you know (laughs) the doctor no thing (laughs) the doctor no thing but you see doctor no and then you see chairman dan and chairman dan (laughs) speaks so compellingly to the the human heart at the center of politics and you go yeah I've never been a Labor voter. I've never voted Labor. Mm-mm. But could I vote for the other guy? No, I just not can't. when human rights just can't. <laughs> I'm not I just can't. Not when human rights are being debated yeah. in a way that they should not be debated. Not when members of the the right are, you know, standing up spewing hate against trans people no. who, by the way, trans people aren't automatically rapists. Rapists are rapists. Yeah. And toilet, public toilet doors. I mean, God, I could go down. This is going back to the uh, the the things that were shouted out at the Parliament steps. Yes. Here, let me help you down from this high horse. Um, Yes. There we go. It's bullshit. Like, (laughs) um, you know, if we're talking about violence against a people group, trans people are at risk, incredibly. Massive. Massively, should yeah. we be spewing hate about them at all? No. Should maybe we make not? Yeah, no. Maybe not. Maybe should not. we be at all allowing the Venn diagram of our human experience to overlap with neo Nazis? 
No, Ooh, we should look, not. This is an uncomfortable place to be, a very uncomfortable. <sighs> so, you know, it's a whole thing. Yeah. So when you've got somebody who speaks really compellingly to the human heart of, yeah. you know, the people voting for them, and then you've got this other group that seems so out of touch with reality, I don't know that they can make their way back. No. As a political strategist as a or political shit poster, whichever one you want to, to <laughs> kind of self-identify as, yeah. <laughs> what do we do to, um, to stem the flow of or to, to stop the rise of the, the far right? I think the best thing that you can actually do is just to be aware of it. Yeah. So um, right now it's really hard to be aware of it because, as you say, a lot of it's happening in shadows. Yeah. Um, however um shadows are still cast um so when you see a political party representing a minority view instead of a majority view particularly when that's an extreme minority view um for example um the voice the referendum to the voice for the voice to parliament that has something ridiculous like 33 percent maximum supports uh and then a whole bunch of um you know undecideds or 40 percent um support and a whole bunch of undecideds when you've got people that are um here in australia abortion Mm. is absolutely not a controversial topic um you know, uh, it's spoken about quite freely by a lot of people. Um, it's widely supported, except in conservative right-wing circles. Mm. So that sort of thing, you go, oh, why yeah. is a party, you know, potentially re-prosecuting a, 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 a situation that was prosecuted in the 70s and 80s? Yeah. Um, when they're looking at uh, issues such as trans rights, which again, overwhelming support in the community uh, for people to just live their best lives, whether you're male, female, whatever, however you were born, whatever you want to do, cool. (laughs) Um, Most people are. Um, All of these extreme views as suggestions of um, something that's happening deeper inside. When when there's a disconnect between a party's, um, I suppose, electoral gains, you know, an electoral reason for actually doing something yeah. because it's popular, because it's representative, because it's the right thing to do, because yeah. it shows good leadership, all of these things, discernment, governance, um, when there's the disconnect between those two things, um, that's a pretty good sign that there's something happening beneath the surface. And we are seeing that happening here um, increasingly uh, where this one particular party is making increasingly questionable choices. Yeah. Uh, And unfortunately it's being driven by a membership base, a membership base that is quite loud that has a lot of access, a lot of power, and is able to be very influential in some of these um, decisions around policy, unfortunately. So I guess this drives a lot of the the work you do on the Twitter, on the Twitter. <laughs> um, you've really gone to great lengths to connect the dots for people so they can see how this might happen how you know using using real life examples and and showing it so I guess my 
my urge to people is to pay attention um, to to what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting time. It's a confronting time because listening to Christians and far-right voters cry persecution when they're actually holding the majority of the power within, well, not the majority, but like a, a big block of power within parties, power, yeah. you know, it's yeah. actually it's actually a thinking error because you're not persecuted if you represent, like, you know, if, if you're rich, you're white, you're like you're in a political party that has held power, decision-making power for a long time, you are the actual opposite of persecuted. Mm. Um, but you're not free from the consequences. You have to believe of... in intersectional feminism for, for you to actually believe those things, though. Get, you know, <laughs> the, 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 and intersectional feminism, that's starting to sound a little bit woke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure. <laughs> I mean, sure. But stay asleep. That's the other the other choice that we have, and um, and do that, and you get driven further out to the fringes. But but you know what I mean, though. Like yeah. people in the Liberal Party, they're the free market party, which, as you pointed out, is currently being turfed out by the free market. And I find that fabulously <laughs> ironic. Um, but you know. They're people with means. They're people who sit in positions of privilege, who are holding decision-making influence and and yet, you know, using this idea of religious discrimination to say, no, we need to continue to act with impunity within the party. And, you know, I'm not accusing anyone in particular of that. It's just a mood. Um, But, uh, yeah, God, it's a time. And it's what do you do to, to help you stay on the happy wagon when you feel like, Life, politics, and society is a dumpster fire made by. <laughs> All right. The, the, yeah. Let me let you in on a secret here. I love the dumpster fires. <laughs> I love the chaos. Um, when there's chaos, there's rebirth. Um, when there's yeah. chaos, new things take shape. Uh, so, you know, a, a star explodes, it creates planets. Um, mm-hmm. the, this, this idea that. Um, chaos is going to lead to permanent chaos uh no no we find order in chaos where we are at the moment um we have this thing that's unfolding in front of us we have a party that's becoming unelectable because it's takeover mm-hmm. by the religious religious right and we have this other party that's becoming un- unelectable because it's just not shit or not yeah. as shit yeah. Um, and uh, to be fair, I do think that they are shit, but not yes. just not as shit. It's such a low barrier. <laughs> this, this, so as a result of all of this, yeah. people are actually starting to look for, hang on, wait, what do I believe in? Yeah. What are the things that I want to see represented? So um, that's driven me to be uh, out there speaking with a lot of people, um, engaging people uh, democratically and um, in conversations and kitchen tables and door knocking and so forth and making sure that whatever emerges next is actually representative of wide community values rather Mm. than narrow community values we're talking about you know electorate level values rather than single church values yes yes and i mean this is what democracy should be and i think if you're democratically elected you should represent the demographic that you know you should represent yeah. the electorate the constituents on mass and get out of here 
Are you saying that your local representative should represent your local area? Oh, my God, yes. (laughs) And, I mean, that was one reason why Aston fell, wasn't it, because they chose chose Someone that was from very much not the local area. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and was was the partner of a... The conservative papers, political edit. Oh, it was a dumpster fire. Anyway, we could talk that forever about the dumpster fire. Bit. I am I need... no fan of that guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Look, I've got to. Yeah, I, we need to wrap this up because. Oh my it's god! Been Can we just continue half. forever? Let's just uh, divide it I mean, in half. Just, and... Let's just, just yeah, split <laughs> it in half and 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 go again. Um, yeah, it's. I find sometimes this stuff hits up against my particular version of religious trauma, mm. and I'm. I'm sure it hits up against other people too because you feel uh, you feel like God is all powerful and God is represented by Christians. Yes, and there can be this fear that they're going to take over, that they're going to get what they want. But actually, when you look at the data, they've had their moment is here, and it's what it's doing is it's cre- decreasing the primary vote. Yeah. It's it's fracturing the party. It's you know, it's a dumpster fire, and yeah. and you're right. <laughs> Sometimes the dumpster fire is great because it burns, you know, it burns off the rubbish. But um, <laughs> what is it that yeah. Oscar Wilde said that it was the, there's two tragedies in life. One is uh, not getting what you want. The other one's getting it. Yeah, and and I'll admit, I'll admit that getting attaining a level of influence within the national party that ended up with Patrick and I at the front of well Patrick really I was the submissive Christian wife who just supported him and did you know right because you don't want to be a Jezebel I don't want to be a Jezebel I no actually I do though because I do want to be a Jezebel because if we look if we look at Jezebel from the other narrative she was a badass who went into a different country <laughs> to her own but held on to her faith she held on to her faith <laughs> yeah anyway I'm a Jezebel guys um <laughs> you know him at the front of that that was a moment of reckoning for us it was a moment of success um but actually made us go oh this does not feel good this mm. does not feel like it's in true service of God or humanity yeah. or the electorate, and it felt yuck. It it caused immense distress for me. Mm. I'm sure it caused immense distress for, for Patrick. Mm. But we were acting out of submission to what we, you know, what the word was from on high. And um, so that can hit up against some religious trauma and it can hit up against some fear. Yeah. And it can also land at the same time on the tail end of a pandemic where some of us might have been revisited by a certain apocalyptic anxiety, um, having been... <laughs> Holy shit, you're right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. Having been raised in churches where the rapture, the imminent return of Christ, the wars, the rumours of wars, the Antichrist, all of this stuff... Yeah. You know, was force fed to us, and then we're we're sitting under vaccine mandates and and lockdowns and and all this kind of stuff, and it feels like one of the four horses of the apocalypse. Yeah. You can literally sit and go, "Am I in the wrong here?" The answer is no, you're not in the wrong. It's okay to believe what, you, like, it's okay to vote however you want to vote. It's yeah. okay to, to to think however you want to think, yeah. as long as it's not hurting people. And my concern is that the Christian right is hurting people. Yeah but thinks that they are doing God's work. And that is a moment. (sighs) Rant over. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
So, Brent, where can we find you on the interwebs? You can find me on Twitter at Brent Hodgson. And that's Hodgson, Brent Hodgson without an E. Just That's correct. So B-R-E-N-T-H-O-D-G-S-O-N. And that is a place to read some seriously good threads to... Um, to or some just shit posting. Lots of shit posting, but lots of political goodness in there. And um, look, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you today. I'm sure I'll have you back on the podcast at some time. Sometime. When there's another political dumpster fire to talk about, we'll go issue specific. Oh, in so the meantime, like next week. Yes, next week. <laughs> same time, Friday, 10 o'clock. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, in the meantime, guys, um, this is the Australian effect of, of you know, far right infiltration of political parties. It's very much dominionistically linked. Um I know that there's been a bit of curiosity about what the Australian political situation is, so I hope this has gone some way to satiate that thirst. Um, it's, a, it's a bugbear of mine, so uh, we'll, we'll revisit this soon. But in the meantime, Brent Hodgson, thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, thank you, Kit. I'm Kit Kennedy and this is Unchurchable.